Today on CityCast Philly. When you think of the Old West, you think cowboys and horses and those wide-brimmed hats. But did you know these iconic hats were invented in North Philly? It's Monday, January 9th, 2023. I'm Trinae Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. WHYY's midday host, Avi Wolfman-Arendt, you do this regular segment on Twitter called Headlines of Yore, where you find a really old Philly news story and you explore its historical significance. Sometimes these headlines are more than 100 years old, but you discovered something pretty surprising. Cowboy hats were invented in Philly. Avi, why would Philadelphians need a cowboy hat? Well, that's a good, it's a good question. I don't think they did. I think this is a story of someone going out into the rest of the country, getting an idea for what other people need, and then coming back to Philly and making it here. Because to situate us, we're talking about the middle of the 19th century, the 1800s, when lots of stuff was made in Philadelphia. And a guy named John B. Stetson, and you might have heard that name around Philly every once in a while because of a building or a street. Um, mm-hmm. He went out west as a young man, said these people need better hats, and came back to Philly and started making them here. Well, now I feel some type of way that's like, uh, you know, I'm an Eagles fan. It's like anything cowboy related. I'm just <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> but um, what was not working when he saw hats um, in other parts of the country? So the story, and look, I'm not a hat expert, but this is just a legend that's passed down, is that when he went out there in the middle part of the 1800s, Stetson saw a lot of people wearing like straw hats and bowler hats. I don't know if people know bowler hats anymore, but if you could sometimes still see them in old Westerns. Are they like the smaller, like round? Yes, hats, yeah, exactly. Right? Like the okay. round crown on top and like the, the mm-hmm. smaller brim. Um, mm-hmm. And What he supposedly saw when he looked at all these people wearing hats were hats that were flea infested and not waterproof and not particularly good at blocking out the sun, which can be, you know, oppressive when you're out on the plains or the prairie and said, like, we could do better. Interesting. So how did Philadelphians react to these hats, though? I don't know. I, I didn't come across anything about how Philadelphians felt about the hats, other than the fact that for generations, many Philadelphians worked at the Stetson factory, which was sort of like on the edge of Kensington. And there was, you know, like a lot of generational labor lore around working in this factory. It was a huge factory that had its own hospital and had its own like Sunday school. Um, I don't know. I mean, Maybe you would know, Trinae. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think the cowboy hat has ever caught on in Philadelphia. You mentioned the- <laughs> Definitely not, especially from an Eagles fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah certainly more popular in Dallas, which I think is great because it's one more thing, you know, we have over Dallas. This is, this, this is the thing they take the most pride in, and a Philadelphian more or less invented it, and it was produced here originally. And were they even calling them cowboy hats back then? I don't know at what point in history they became known as cowboy hats. I do know that the hats made by John B. Stetson and his company became known just as Stetsons. And you can hear it. There are popular songs that mention Stetsons, people wearing Stetsons. Even to this day, someone might call a cowboy hat 
a Stetson. So, Avi, can you take us back a little bit? How did this Jersey-born Philly hat maker start to get into hat making? So he came from a hat making family is what I understand. So he was from Jersey and I should mention he wasn't from South Jersey. So he did not like grow up in the area, but his dad was in the hat making business. So he had some exposure to like hat making and, you know, I guess the idea of it maybe being a career. Um, What his dad did was not nearly on the scale of what he would end up doing. You know, he ended up starting and founding this humongous factory, Um, but they were in the clothing business and uh, he took it way further than any of his ancestors did. Can you tell us more about Stenton's factory? It was one of the biggest um, hat making factories of the time. Yeah. So this is the part that as a Philadelphian is the most interesting to me because it's the part that speaks the most to like our city's history. So when Stetson came back west, he actually opened an initial shop at 4th and Chestnut Streets. So you can imagine like right in the heart of the action, um, Mm -hmm. but not a lot of space to expand. And so when sales took off from his first hat, which was called the Boss of the Plains, I love that name, the boss of the planes. (laughs) He opened up a factory that's at the intersection, I don't know if people can picture it, of 5th and Montgomery and Germantown Avenue, which is like right on the edge of what we call Kensington now. Kensington at the time, big factory neighborhood, big industrial neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, This is like in the 1870s, opens up this factory. And by about the 1920s, so over the next 50 years, it grew to the point where it was the largest hat factory in the world, 1.4 million square feet, which is mind-blowing to me, to just to imagine that today, anything in Kensington of that size. It employed somewhere on the order of 5,000 people. And you can imagine this as a factory, but when you look at the, the pictures of it, it's more like a campus. It's more like, it looks almost like a college campus. Like I mentioned earlier, there was an accredited hospital there in the, on the grounds. There was, um, in the neighborhood nearby, they ran their own school. It was like a Sunday school, but it was their own factory school for the workers, for the families. And this is a world that doesn't exist as much in Philadelphia anymore, where a f- the factory was almost I- its own world, its own city, its own society. So many people worked there over many generations. They had their own little sphere, their own little world, and it was all based around working at this one company. Is the factory still there or pieces of it at least? So my understanding is that most of it has been demolished, but I believe the hospital, the factory hospital is still standing or at least part of it. So the the factory was open until 1971 when it ceased operations and then it was demolished afterwards, and I believe there was a fire that hastened its decline. Most of it at this point um, is no more, but th- I believe part of, or perhaps all of the little hospital building is still standing, so there are some vestiges of it. How do stories like this, like Stetton's uh, history in our city, not get lost again? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know if there's an easy answer to it. And I don't want to presume to be a historian 
or a preservationist because those are people, there are people who do that stuff for a living who really live in this world and I'm totally an amateur. But my little slice of it, I think, is just reminding people that these little interesting stories are out there to look for them, to listen for them. And hopefully that piques people's interest and, and gets them a little bit more invested in this place and the people who have been here before. I find it not just interesting to look through Philly's history, but also comforting in a sense, because you can find that people have been dealing with the same problems, having the same issues and the same triumphs over and over and over again. And there are answers in our past and there are hopeful stories and there are depressing stories, but a lot of times they are similar stories and you can find little keys, I think, that help you make sense of the present a little bit better. And th that's what I enjoy about it. And I, you know, I just hope that this project that I'm doing, this little weekly project gets more people interested. And if more people are interested, then more stories will be told and preserved. Well, I'm definitely interested. <laughs> You've got me sold. Yes. <laughs> We got one. <laughs> WHOI's midday host, Avi Wolfman Arendt. Thanks so much for joining me today on CityCast Philly. Absolutely. Thanks, Trinette. We'll have a link to Avi's Twitter thread detailing the history of the cowboy hat in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. The city outlined a two-year plan to use more than $20 million from a legal settlement with opioid distributors to provide a range of initiatives According to Metro Philadelphia, the plan includes grants to community organizations, investment in the Kensington neighborhood, like beautification projects, affordable housing, community-centered developments, and improvements to McPherson Square. Funds will also support vans to provide methadone, which is a drug used to help people treat opioid use disorder, as well as wound care to those using drugs on the street. Soon, travelers departing the city who aren't U.S. citizens will have their faces scanned at the Philadelphia International Airport. According to the Inquirer, scanners using facial biometric technology are being installed at about 25 boarding gates, those used for international flights. And here's a bit of good news. Congrats to Philadelphia Military Academy junior Kahim Bailey Taylor. According to the Philadelphia Tribune, he recently received the Medal of Heroism for saving his friend's life. And that's the highest honor awarded to any Army Reserve Officers Training Corps cadet. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed the show about cowboy hats invented in Philly, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.